Welcome back everyone to Pivot Point. This is the first interview of 2022 and we could not have a better guest today. Today, I'm going to have a conversation with Tisa Kemi, founder and principal of Corsi Consulting, a diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant services. Tisa, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Liz, for having me. Great to be here. Thank you. So before we get into our discussion, um, could you just tell the audience a little bit about how you came up with the name Corsi Consulting and what a Corsi is? I think it's really interesting. Yeah, so a Corsi, so I'm from Iran originally. I was born there. I came to the U.S. when I was five years old. And one of my favorite memories from my childhood in Iran is the Corsi at my grandparents' house. And what a Corsi is, it's, it's a traditional piece of Iranian furniture, and it's a low square table, and underneath that table, there's a heating source. Um, in the olden days, it was cold. Nowadays, it's an electric heater. Uh, and then over the table, there's a thick quilt that's placed over the table, um, and then pillows for everyone to sit around it. So it's really warm, it's cozy, it feels so nice to be under the Corsi on a cold winter night. And I remember it as a place where everyone was welcome, everyone belonged. If you were at your Corsi one night and your cousins showed up at the door or your neighbors showed up, they were invited to join you at the Corsi. So I just remember it as this really sort of nice, cozy place um, to, to spend time with, with folks. Um, and so when it came to naming a diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging firm, it seemed like a natural choice. Yeah, definitely. I think it's a great choice. And I encourage people to take a look at um, Corsi Consulting website. There's a beautiful picture of a Corsi on there. So you really can get the, the imagery and the, the feeling of belonging and how wonderful it is. So thank you for that. So um, I know that when we had our discussion, you talked about a lot of different pivots in your life. And I wanted to know if you could describe a pivot that maybe had the most impact on you that led you to the work that you're doing today. Yeah, when I look back over my career, I think there were main, two main pivot points career-wise. Um, one was after college, I went to work on Wall Street. Um, and I always say this was back in the 1900s. And I say it that way for a reason. Um, we had no diversity officers then. There was no diversity training. Nobody talked about this stuff. And I remember I went into, I, I was a paralegal at my first job. I worked at a big New York law firm. There were over a hundred partners. Six were women. One was a black man. The other 90 plus were white men. And we weren't supposed to talk about it. It felt like we weren't even supposed to notice. And I noticed I, no matter what good work I did, I kept getting overlooked. I, I was often the only woman in the room, never mind the only woman of color or the only immigrant woman. It, it was, I just, it seemed like the only time they knew my name was when they needed the conference room cleaned up. And I kept getting put in those sorts of tasks. And I was like, I did the right things. I got an Ivy League education. I'm smart. I knew I was capable. I knew I was competent. And my people I worked with directly knew that. But firm-wide, there was just a perception of, oh, give her like these projects, the ones where you're on your hands and knees in the library looking through the archives, or you're cleaning up the conference room, or you're making the photocopies, not the plum assignments. I went into investment banking thinking maybe it'll be better here. And it, it was the same. 
and the numbers gender wise were even more skewed. So after three years of that, I thought, okay, I don't get what this is, but I need to do something else. So I went back to school. I got a master's in international affairs, thought I would have a UN type career, um, but I graduated into 9-11. Um, and on top of the national tragedy, um, the jobs dried up. And I ended up being unemployed for over a year at a time when having a Middle Eastern identity, having a Muslim identity was not, you know, was not the greatest identity to have in terms of treatment, perception, and all of that. Um, I ended up being unemployed at that time for over a year. And I realized I'm not going to have the career I thought I would have. So now what? And people had always said, you're so funny, you should be a stand-up comic. And I was like, no, we're supposed to have real jobs. Um, but when I started seeing stand-up as a way to speak up, speak out, get your voice heard, get your ideas out there, that's when I became more interested. And so I did it. I became a stand-up comic. And turns out I was one of the early female Muslim stand-up comics. So that was my big first career, big career pivot from Wall Street to stand-up comedy. Um, and I started getting these other um, opportunities. And people asked me, do you do speaking engagements? Can you do a workshop for our community group? Can you speak at our academic conference? And I started saying yes. And I ended up having a whole career doing that. And I traveled the country and I went to 25 states in the end. So it was this completely unexpected career I had. So that was one pivot. Um, and then after 12 years of being on the road and at for a handful of years of that, juggling it with day jobs. Um, and I finally thought, okay, I'm not going to be Seinfeld. Uh, you know, I, I'm not getting to that point. So now what? I can keep doing this. But I always remembered my Wall Street days, that I was competent, I was good, and it didn't seem to matter. And I started to hear more about DEI, D&I, and I thought, okay, what is this? And when I looked into it, I thought, okay, I've been doing this. I just maybe wasn't calling it this. Um, and I thought, okay, this I think brings my entire career path together. Um, so I got a job as a DEI consultant at another uh, firm here in the Boston area. And after a while there, I thought I can do this on my own. So that's when I made my next big pivot, which was from stand-up comedy speaking uh, into DEI consulting and training. Wow, that's a, that's an amazing trajectory and <laughs> um, span of your career. And um, I want to pick up on something that you said that sort of um, you know all the things that you did kind of came together and um, right. led you to where you are. And I think that that's so important. I know when I'm talking to individuals who are in transition you know, they think that, you know, their past doesn't matter. You know, it's just, you know, that goal, that success, whatever they're trying to achieve, but it's all of your life experience that you bring to any position, you know, and it's, it's a rich experience and it shouldn't be discounted. You know, I think uh, the stand-up comedian, that's just, that's just so amazing. You know, how many people have, can say that, that that, that was one of their first careers, you know? <laughs> Thank you. I know it. And I totally agree with you. I think there is a path in there that makes sense. And I, I think one, I, I've heard interesting advice over the years. And one is sort of what are the common threads? And for me, one common thread was activism. Mm -hmm. um, definitely Wall Street was not that. Um, it, it was a first career for me to yeah. try. Um, 
but stand-up comedy, I really approached from the point of view of an activist. For me, it was about getting mm. heard, um, having a voice, having a platform at a time when female Muslim voices were really not a part of the public discourse. Um, so for me, that activism thread was there uh, in that career. And certainly now also with DEI consulting and training, trying to make our workplaces better, trying to have conversations that workplaces often avoid because they're uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. But having them anyway, because it matters. And when I work with any organization, talking about sort of um, the demographics and groupings of people, I hear stories, I interview people, and the most difficult experiences for any workplace, any industry, any size, it's always the women of color. Yeah. So something is going on. And mm-hmm. people usually aren't surprised to hear that, but it's, are you willing to work on it? Are you willing to really look at what's going on? So again, that activism thread is there for me with mm-hmm. this work, which is really important to me. Talk a little bit about um, how you use your activism to raise awareness of the issues of diversity and how you actually, um, basically your service model. So what does that look like? Sure. Yeah. So I would say any organization, I have to sort of meet them where they are. Um, So if folks have not had, if they've never said the word diversity in their workplace and no one's even comfortable right now talking about that with their coworkers or their bosses, I can't come in on day one and be like, let me tell you about white privilege and white supremacy in the workplace. It's it's just not going to work. I, I would love to say we're all ready for it. I know there are DEI consultants who are like, we can't mince words. We have to go in from day one and tell it like it is. I think in theory, that's a great concept or notion. In reality, I don't think it works. In reality, I think you have to meet the organizations where they are now and then keep pushing the conversation to where it needs to be. So that's where I start is where is the organization at now? I try to find out through conversations with the core team, who is often the HR folks and or the DEI folks, if the organization has their own DEI team. And I just try to gauge where are you all at? What is the best next step here? Um, And sometimes folks come to me, they think they want training. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we can do that. I actually think something else might be better. Let's try to figure out what the problem is before we start throwing solutions at it. Um, So that's where I sort of start. Um, And then in terms of the services, um, I do, really my goal is to build a more equitable world. Like that's the mission. My hope is to work myself out of a job. Mm -hmm. We won't need this. We have equitable organizations and we don't need to do this anymore. Um, Now I I know it's unlikely to happen, but I always keep that mindset in mind. Um, And then through the services, which are assessments, consulting, training, that that's how I work with organizations to, to get them there. Mm-hmm. Do you find that organizations come to you because of an issue, something happened that made them want to start these conversations? Or is it just this sort of getting on the bandwagon of other organizations and sort of this is our competitive advantage because you know we're, we're uh, for lack of a better word, woke now, right? Right. Yeah, I would say all of the above. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I hear from folks who have their own DEI team who've been having these conversations for a while and the conversations change over time. The conversations certainly change because of really unfortunate 
events like George Floyd's murder. I started hearing from organizations after that who said, we've never done this work before. And then I heard things like, you know, we're looking around and realizing we're, we're an all white team and we never really thought about it before. Or, and I, I, I love hearing this, we have our Gen X uh, colleagues who've started and they're looking around and demanding more from us. Mm -hmm. uh, so the fact that Gen X is coming in and making demands and making things happen, um, or it can be incidents. Like I've heard, hey, we, we went to Glassdoor and we read what people think yeah. and now we need to do something. So it can be all sorts of things. It's either a, a reckoning, looking around, a specific incident. Um, so I hear from from folks for all sorts of reasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I I think there's hope with the Gen X coming in and really pushing the envelope. So it would be great if you could work yourself out of a job. It'd be great if I could too. You know, the people would have the jobs that they want. But you know, all we can do is keep working. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing if we yeah. just didn't need to do this anymore? Um, but yeah, I hear you on how I, I think it can be really isolating to be the only of something, whether it's in a meeting or your entire workplace. Um, and yeah, there's that pressure to conform to, I mean, one is people tell me all the time they feel tokenized. Uh, so there's everything that goes with that. And then that having to conform, having to work twice as hard or more to get the same recognition. Tisa, let me ask you this question. Um, how do we make things change? What can companies do to make their companies more diverse, equitable, and inclusive? That, And they say it starts to change when there are three of, mm -hmm. of, of, of the different mm -hmm. in the room. So if you're looking at a leadership team and you've added one woman, okay, but it takes three. Yeah. The research shows to start to make change. Interesting. And so what would your advice be to someone who's experiencing this? Um, advice would you give people if they're feeling like that? Yeah. So I would say, look, or look around. I, I, my, my great answer is always, it depends. And it, it just depends on what kind of organization you're in, what size, how much diversity is there. Is it a, is it an organization that has, for example, employee resource groups? Mm. Um, and usually uh, organizations are a certain size before they start having that, before they start having employee resource groups or a diversity manager or regular trainings. If you have that, find your people and yeah. go to them and say, hey, how do I navigate this workplace? Because they're, they're going to know. You're going to have people who've been there a long time. If you find yourself really the only, look around at how you're treated. Are you treated in a way that is workable? In which case, you know, maybe this situation works for you. If it's a place where you're the only and, and you're treated badly, start looking for new work. Yeah. And if you really need to, and you are in a situation where you can get out, like if it's really bad and, and you are able to just leave, then do it. Um, some things are just not worth sticking it out for. So it, it's really dependent on the context, but I would say if there are resources internally, go to those even, and if there aren't internally, reach out to any associations that you can be part of. Mm -hmm. So if there's, for example, for me, um, let's just say that I'm an accountant. If there's a Middle Eastern Accountants Association, maybe I'll reach out to them because folks there have probably experienced stuff 
at their own workplaces. So maybe they have advice for me. So try reaching out to those out, outside professional associations too. Yeah, that's great advice. Don't just be alone and, and sort right. of simmer and, you know, get upset about it. Talk to people and see if there is a way. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of courage to fight it when it's within your organization and, you know, it can affect your livelihood. So um, I think that's really great advice um, for someone who's experiencing this. So let's flip the coin just a little bit. And what about um, advice you'd give someone who might be interested in getting into this work, which is there's so many different avenues that you can go into. Yeah, definitely. So it's an interesting time to be doing DEI work. Um, obviously, organizations are doing this work who now who never did it before. And I've mm -hmm. seen so many job ads for DEI managers and companies rushing to hire like a head of DEI, a, C, a chief diversity officer. Um, some of it's working out, some isn't. So I'll, I'll say something on the company side for one. Um, if you're looking to hire, good. It's one step, but it's just one step. And now that person needs to be resourced. They need a staff. They need decision-making authority. They need respect. Not just there for optics, basically. Because um, I hear from too many diversity managers who are saying, I was set up to fail or, or I wasn't set up for success. So that's one part of it. Um, so I guess one thing as a candidate is ask some of those questions, even if they're tough, is, is there a budget for this job? Is there a team? Um, how am I set up for success? Look at what level you're, you're being um, sort of hired into. Like if you are you going into a thousand person company as a manager when it should be a director role or a VP role? Um, so those are the things to think about as a candidate. In terms of getting into the field, you know, it's changing. When I started my career, there was no DEI manager. So there was no clear career path. We all kind of have circuitous routes to this. Now there are certification programs. I even know of one master's degree program. It looks like we're going in the direction of having this be a more certified uh, field or something where there are educational deg or degree requirements instead of sort of anyone being able to hang up a shingle. Um, so I think that's the direction it's going. So I think as of now, I would say to anyone thinking about this, look into the educational components, try to get certified. Um, and then we're at a point now where people are getting jobs off passion uh, and some experience. So whether it's a background in HR, whether it's that you worked in a role in your company and you were a part of an employee resource group and you were a leader of those. So there are different ways in right now. I think that will change as the field becomes more solidified. This must be very difficult work. And how do you not take it personally? You know, um, is there is there outlets for you like I mean, who do you talk to when you're you're really frustrated about a company or, or whatever or you know is it at times something that you you take personally or, or have you been doing this long enough that it, you know it doesn't bother you I, I you know what I mean yeah it's it's a interesting point and an interesting question and I would say here is where being a stand-up comedian turns out to <laughs> be a really good background because I, I got a lot of 
praise and all of that as a stand-up comic, and I got a lot of criticism. Um, you know, being first or early in a field, being being an early female Muslim stand-up comic, I heard a lot of criticism. Um, and because I'm up there being myself and telling my own stories from my own life, when people criticize, it feels very personal. Um, so I got so much in that career <laughs> that any of this doesn't really, you know, it, yeah. I, I can I can handle it. Uh, is it frustrating when folks sort of don't, uh, what, what, when they don't want to hear sort of some of those more challenging truths? Sure. Um, and I do have, I know so many other folks in DEI. I have one um, DEI working group where we meet um, bi-monthly just to kind of share ideas and say, this is what I'm seeing in terms of trends. Here's where I'm seeing a best practice. Here's where I'm seeing what is a best practice, but it's not working in reality. Um, you know, we just bounce those ideas off each other. So I also have that group to go to, which I think is really important, especially as a solo practitioner where I don't just have colleagues in the next office mm -hmm. to, to, to go to. Right. Um, so those, those are some of the ways, but yeah, after stand-up comedy, it's <laughs> It, it, it's this is this is this is okay this is easy yeah well that's great i i have so enjoyed this conversation thank you so much is there anything that you'd like to add that i you know might have left out a question that i didn't cover this is great i mean one thing i would say to any organization if they're like where do we begin is a pay equity study yeah we know the statistics about how women get paid less than men for the same job and women of color particularly, and then even demographically within women of color. Um, so the first thing to do is a pay equity study. Mm -hmm. Yeah, first steps. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not just about being inclusive and um, valuing diversity, but let's be equitable. I love that yeah. that is, you know, the centerpiece of, of DEI work. So Again, Tisa, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Good luck with your uh, your business, and you know, keep the fight. And um, thank you again. Thank you, Liz. Great talking to you. Okay, bye bye. Have a great day. You too. Tailored for Success is a nonprofit organization that empowers job seekers to become economically self-sufficient by providing resources, skills training, and supportive reinforcement. Since 2000, we have been empowering job seekers to secure employment and advance within their careers. To learn more, I encourage you to visit our website at www.tailoredforsuccess.org, where you can sign up for our newsletter, receive services, or volunteer to support our mission. You can also get daily updates by joining our Facebook or LinkedIn groups and following us on Instagram and Twitter. Need advice on how to improve your professional image? Check us out on Printjust.